Thank you, Benj. Happy Father's Day. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, again, as Benj said, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I was here, um, but it's good to be back with you today. I'm going to invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you, or um, I believe it's going to be on the screen as well, so you can read it on the screen. The Apostle Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you, for such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. So don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in, in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. And it is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I love that last song that we just sang about the Holy Spirit and His presence being with us, and I pray that as we uh, have read and talk about His Word today, that His Spirit would fill us afresh and light His words up for us in our hearts. As a parent of uh, older teenagers, one of the rites of passage, at least in our household anyway, I think in many I think in many households, uh, the right of it's the right of passage to teach them how to drive. And uh, in our house, that duty has fallen to me. Uh, and re so recently, I've been teaching our younger son, Ben, how to drive. And he's been learning quickly, following the road signs. In fact, he drove, he drove himself this morning as uh, uh, earlier today before we came here. And um, he's learning quickly about following road signs and learning how to change lanes, learning how to navigate a four-way stop, and in Waterloo Region, we have a lot of bike lanes and roundabouts, so he's going to be quickly learning about those. And one thing, though, that I've had to emphasize early on with Ben is the need to follow the speed limit. At times, I've noticed that the speedometer, we kind of get up to the speed limit, and then it kind of edges up to five kilometers, and then ten kilometers, uh, usually, uh, and I have to remind Ben that uh, he needs to slow down, especially along a couple of stretches of roads not too far from where we live that have red light cameras and wouldn't be good for him to get a ticket yet. Um, so recently, one night at the dinner table, we were just talking as a family and uh, talking about learning how to drive. For some reason, that subject came up. And so I, uh, 
as the father, just thought I should mention this point about speeding. And very quickly, uh, Ben rightly pointed out that he was simply used to following me. Simply used to driving with me. Meaning imitating me. Meaning that I speed all the time and he's just learned that from me. It's true. It's true. I have a lead foot. I have a heavy foot. I admit it. And my response was to use a line that I suspect many parents have used over the generations countless times. I said, you are right, son. I do speed. But when you are learning how to drive and I'm in the passenger seat teaching you how to drive, do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. And of course, that's wrong. He knew it. I know it. We all know it. That doesn't work, does it? In, in life, over the course of life, our actions should line up with our words, right? Like at work when there's a policy that uh, says we should do things one way, but in reality, in practice, we just simply do it another way because it works better. Well, maybe we should have the policy and the word and the action line up somehow, right? Or in sports, if a coach calls a play and you're in the huddle or you're on the bench, whether it's football or hockey or soccer or basketball, whatever it is, and everyone agrees on the play but then go out onto the pitch or the basketball court or the football field, whatever, and then not run the play, what was the point? Or in a relationship, if we agree that we're going to do X this way, but then when it comes time to follow through on it, one of us in the relationship does Y, does something else, well, then what was the point of saying and agreeing to one thing if someone's just going to do something else? The same is true for us, I think, as followers of Jesus. If we say we believe in Jesus, if we say that we want to follow Him, that we want to live for Him, then that should be evident in our lives, right? In our actions, in our words. And that is the essence of the Apostle Paul's message to the Christians in Ephesus through the book of Ephesians. And we're just kind of parachuting right into the middle of the book of Ephesians this morning. And so just as we do that, I've read the passage, but just as we kind of work our way through it, let me just give a 30-second context of the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are all about what happens when we put our faith in Jesus. Paul is outlining what takes place when you say, I believe in Jesus. When we come to know Him as our Savior and Lord, we receive new life, new spiritual life. We take on a new identity. We now belong to the kingdom of God. And then in the last three chapters, chapters 4 to 6, and we're kind of jumping right into the middle in chapter 5, Paul then goes on to tell the Ephesians about what it means, to, on the one hand, to say what we believe, but then to actually then live what we believe. It's a new way of living that comes with our new identity. It's how we now get to live as uh, uh, family members of a new eternal kingdom. And when we come to faith in Jesus, we are no longer who we used to be. We are now children of God, he says, followers of the way of Jesus. And it comes with a new way of living. So how we live should line up with what we say we believe. We should Walk the talk, so to speak. That's the essence of Paul's message to the Ephesian church, and by extension to you and me today who are reading these words. 
Even if you're here this morning and you are uh, you're here in person or maybe you're watching online wherever the cameras are uh, today or at another time, and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus. Today is a great day to be here as we talk about what it means to walk out what we say we believe. And that you can, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can then walk away and, and then know what we as followers of Jesus say we believe and what we know we need to do, because it is really the highest standard of living. And maybe... Um, and maybe as you walk away today or watching online or whenever you watch this, that uh, there might be some things that we talk about today that you could take away and apply in your own life too and maybe even consider the way of Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning and you were one of the ones that were baptized last weekend here. I believe there was a baptism service last week, I heard. And baptism is all about making a public declaration of what we say we believe. You're going into the waters of baptism, saying, the old way of living is gone, the new way has come, I now am a follower of Jesus. I believe what He did for me, I know He has changed me, and I am declaring that, and I am also saying that I now, from this point forward, will walk in the way of Jesus. Or maybe you came to the baptism service and it reminded you of your, ex your decision to believe in Jesus as your Savior. And perhaps you have been baptized, and it's a reminder of what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. Because that's what Paul is talking about today, how we live what we believe, walking the talk, and what that looks like, and what that means. And so he starts in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5 by saying this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. What does it look like to walk the talk? Paul gives away the answer right here in verse 1. Imitate God. Imitate God. The word used in the original language when Paul wrote it um, is to, means to mimic or to mirror, to reflect or to copy meaning that we are to mimic, we are to be like, we are to imitate one person in our life, the one that we've said that we have put all our marbles into, that we believe He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is Jesus. Our example is Jesus, God the Father's only Son, who willingly followed His, His Father in perfect obedience. It's the highest standard on earth to follow the perfect Son of God. So the question that comes to mind then is, how are we supposed to do that? I'm not perfect. I don't know about any of you here. So I can't be perfect in following Him, but should I then just walk away? Well, no, obviously. Because Paul probably suspects that we're thinking that and gives us a clue to why we should have confidence that we can do it, that we can follow Jesus until He comes to take us to be with Him for eternity. We can pursue it, we can reach for it, we can follow Him because He says here, we are His dear children. We are His. And He's hearkening back to what He said in the first 
particularly the first two chapters of the book of Ephesians, and maybe a little bit of homework for you, if, if uh, for either maybe not later today, if there's a Father's Day celebration going on, but maybe uh, for the rest of the week to go back through and read verses one, uh, chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Ephesians and chapter 3. It's a good reminder of who we are in Christ. And that's essentially what Paul's hearkening back to when he says, remember, you are, we are his dear children. It's what I've already said to you. He goes in, verse, in chapters 1 and 2, he talks about how we are loved with an unchanging and faithful and forever love, that God has poured out His grace and His favor on us, that He showers us, His dear children, showers us with kindness and wisdom and understanding. He's given us His Spirit. We just talked about His Spirit and His presence being in us and working through us. His Spirit in us is a guarantee of that guarantee that we are His today and forever, and that we can be filled with His presence each and every day, that we have the peace of God and peace with God. And then at the end of chapter 3, Paul kind of tops it off with a prayer leading into chapters 4 to 6 where he says, this is how you walk the talk. He ends with a prayer in chapter 3 and says, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources that He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Excuse me. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him, that your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And then you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how deep and how high His love is. That may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work in us and through us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, this is who we are, who we follow, and what resources are at our disposal as followers of Jesus in our new identity uh, as children of God's kingdom. When When I say to you, imitate God, you can do this because you are a child of God. And so maybe this morning, if you hear nothing else from this message today, May you be reminded today that you are loved. That wherever you find yourself on the journey of faith, even just in this verse, being reminded that you are a child of God, you are loved. And that you have all the heavenly resources that you need to take the next step, whatever it is that you've come in with today and are wondering, is God there with you? Yes, He is to help you take the next step, to discern the next step, to find your way back, to be comforted if you need comfort. You are a child of God. And that He has promised to help us accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think 
on our own. And sometimes we take this verse and we take it out of context to, to say you know, that it could mean so much more. And yes, it could. But in the context of this verse, what Paul is saying through the book of Ephesians is the infinitely more that we could ask or imagine is simply to imitate Jesus, to be able to take that next step. Because sometimes that feels like, man, to be able to take the next step is infinitely more than I can do. But God says, I'll give you, and I have given you, through the power of my Spirit, all that you need. The focus is Jesus. Nothing more and nothing less. Last time I was here, I uh, was introduced and mentioned briefly that I serve at a Christian charity called Indwell. We build supportive, affordable housing. And one of our internal values that we hold as an organization is that we want to walk with humble confidence, we, meaning that we speak and we act with humility, knowing that we don't know everything and that we're going to make mistakes. But at the same time, we walk with confidence, knowing that we do know some things about supportive housing, and we know what our mission is, and we know uh, who we ultimately serve, Jesus, and we know that He will give us all that we need to fulfill the vision that He has given us as an organization to provide hope and homes for all. Humble confidence. And I thought of that when I think of these verses and just just what we've been talking about here. That above all, when we think about what it means to imitate God in our world today, to know that we can do it with humble confidence. We're not perfect. No one's perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're not talking about being the next big thing in the world. Paul's simply talking about living what we believe. That we want to live that way because of who we belong to and what He has given us to help us imitate Jesus. So what is it then about Jesus that we are to imitate? What are the things that we should be doing in our lives in imitating Jesus? And Paul kind of lays that quickly out for us in these remaining verses. He goes on and he says in verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Jesus, or of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I love that phrase. A pleasing aroma to God. Paul says Jesus loved us and He loves us today so much that He was willing to give up His life to die on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven and subsequently given new life in God today and for eternity. Paul says, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. And when he's saying that, when he, he's referencing back to the Old Testament, and when the priests in the Old Testament would sacrifice an animal on the altar as a fragrant offering, Paul is saying all the more was Jesus' sacrifice, all the more was Jesus' willing sacrifice to lay down His life, all the more, how much more pleasing was it and is it to God because of what it has accomplished for you and for me who are unworthy before God without Jesus' sacrifice, a pleasing aroma. So what does living with a selfless love 
look like today? Well, it's a love that's focused on others rather than ourselves. Just like Jesus, He was focused on you and me rather than His own self and His own life. Forgiving one another and giving ourselves in service to others just like Jesus did and just like Jesus has. A follower of Jesus imitating God will be thinking of what God finds pleasing and that is forgiving one another as we've been forgiven by God, giving to others just as Jesus gave Himself for you and me. I think of what uh, the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 3. He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also then ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone, for example, he goes on, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need and shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Because they're not imitating God then, right? Because Paul says here, imitating God begins with loving others selflessly. And then he goes on, and he says, secondly, that we should be living holy lives. He says in verses 3 and 4, let there be no sexual immorality or impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these aren't for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And again, Paul is emphasizing that imitating Jesus means thinking about what pleases God. What is the pleasing aroma? The pleasing aroma is loving selflessly, but also living differently than the world, living set apart, living holy. As it says elsewhere in Scripture, God says, be holy because I am holy. We're living not for ourselves. We're living for Jesus. And the sins that Paul mentions in these two verses really are sins of self, <clears throat> excuse me, are self-indulgence, sins that satisfy ourselves and our old way of thinking at the expense of others in our sexuality, in our language, in our speech, in always longing for more money and more stuff rather than looking to God and His standard for sex and money and power and relationships and how we speak to one another and about one another and what it means to be truly satisfied in our lives. To say that in the um, ancient Near East, in the biblical times when Paul wrote these words to the Ephesians, that those times were rife with all the things that Paul mentions here would really be mild if you do a little bit of research into all that was going on in Ephesus, he's really nailing them on some stuff that was happening. And he's saying to them, he, because he knew that they would be tempted and they would be taunted to go back. He's saying, watch out. Do all these things happen today too? They do. Are we tempted? Can we be tempted and taunted to go back? Sure we can. And so Paul was telling the Ephesians, and he's telling you and me today, these things are not for you as a follower of Jesus. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. 
Instead, reach for God's standard of living. And when I read those words, I think of what Paul said to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4. He says uh, in verse 8 of Philippians 4, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's how we're called to live in our actions, in our words, with others, for others, not at the expense of others. That's the the sweet, aromatic way of living for Jesus and imitating Him. And so he goes on in verses 5 to 7, because you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. And so he's saying, that's, again, just <clears throat> this is not how you live anymore. You walk a different way now. You're seeking to live holy lives for Jesus. You're living for Jesus, to imitate Jesus. Don't give that up. It doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes and fall down along the path, but we we get up, we repent, we ask for forgiveness, and we continue on the path and the journey with Jesus. He says further down in verse 10 that we should carefully determine what pleases the Lord and walk in it. So stop and carefully think, is this how God would want me to live? And so he says when we love selflessly and when we live holy, when we live differently, when we live the way of Jesus, we will shine brightly with the light of Jesus. He goes on, he says, for once you were full of darkness before you were a follower of Jesus, but now as a follower of Jesus, you have the light from the Lord. His Spirit is now living in you. His light is in you. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. He says, let your light shine. Let your light shine. A lot of scholars... uh, in, in, in um, unpacking this passage, believe that Paul's words here in verse 9 are hearkening back to words that he wrote to the Galatian church, another letter in the New Testament that men, I'm sure many of us here know well, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where Paul says that the Holy Spirit who lives in us produces this kind of fruit in our lives when we're imitating Jesus, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know this verse? Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Jesus Christ, because this was what we did when we came to faith in Jesus, we nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to the cross. We crucified them there. And since now, as followers of Jesus, we are living by His Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives. Kind of knits in nicely with what Paul is saying here. The old way of living is not for you. You're living 
a different way. And when we love selflessly and live holy, the light of Jesus is, will come through and can often, most often may be displayed like, to use the analogy from Galatians 5, like fruit of the Spirit that are just bursting through in our lives, in our talk and our actions. It has to. It has to. If we are really, truly, honestly seeking to imitate Jesus, Paul is saying. In fact, Paul goes on in the next few verses, in the remaining verses, to say that what we may find in our lives, actually, is that as we shine with the light of Jesus, uh, that just because of who we follow and how we're choosing to live and loving selflessly and living holy, that our light will just naturally expose darkness and it will make what is wrong and false and evil stand out all the more. It has to. When I was in university, I was about 21 or 22, I worked for a moving company. And um, it was really hard work, (laughs) working for a moving company. We would be up at work by 7 a.m. and not get home till late in the evening. And I was what they called then, I don't know what they call them now, but I was what they called a swamper, which was essentially just really a warm body with muscles to move stuff, essentially. And it didn't matter what the job was, you showed up to the warehouse at 7 a.m. and found out where you were headed and you'd go off to work for the day. And you could be working for a local driver, you could be working for an out-of-town driver who was passing through and was unloading somebody's stuff and just needed some local swampers to unload the stuff as he or she was passing through to the, usually on those big trucks, they had like two or three houses of stuff on each truck. And over time, I had, uh, in the early part of the summer, had um, struck up a bit of a connection with one of the local drivers doing what he, doing what we called, this makes sense, local moves. people who were living within the city, but they were just moving between residences, and we called those local moves. And uh, we got along well, and soon I actually became his right-hand man. And one of my strengths is that I can strategize well. And so I could walk into a house and take a look at all the stuff that was boxed up or piled around and kind of see what might be needed next to go on the truck so that the driver who usually was on the truck packing the actual truck, and I could make sure that all the right stuff got out at the right time to be packed in as tight as, tight as possible without breaking anything, of course, <laughs> so that we could fill the truck and only have to make one, one trip, right? And um, it was one, we, worked, we worked well together until one time we had to do um, some out-of-town travel. And I forget all of the details of the trip, except, of course, for what I'm sharing today, and which came to my mind when I was thinking of Paul's words here. And by the end of the day, we were all really hungry, and there were four or five of us and, uh, that we had all stuffed into the truck. And our driver really wanted to hit the road and get home again, but he, but he wanted to feed us first. So he decided that the best place for us to stop and have supper was the local strip club. And immediately my stress level went through the roof. Because while many of the guys that I worked with apparently had been to strip clubs already, I had not. And I really had no desire to go to a strip club. I had no desire to have somebody naked dance over my supper. I didn't say anything. I'm assuming that's what they do. I have no idea. But um, 
I didn't say anything until we got to the club. Because I was, re- I'm 21, 22, we've been going all day, I'm starving. What am I going to do? We got out of the truck, and we walked through the parking lot up to the front door. We got to the front door, we got to the inner foyer, and all of a sudden I just said, guys, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't go in. And they looked at me and they're like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're not going in? Aren't you hungry? Yeah, I'm really hungry. Then why aren't you coming in? And they all knew that, they all knew that <clears throat> I was a fairly clean person in terms of my language and habits. I'd been a follower of Jesus for a while. I didn't hide that I was a Christian. But somehow, they thought that I'd have no problem walking into a strip club and having dinner. And I <clears throat> don't remember exactly what I said. But essentially, there was no way I was going in. That wasn't who I was. That wasn't who I wanted to be. That wasn't what I wanted to be known for. And whether I wanted it to or not in that moment, and I was a young kid, and like I said, I wasn't hiding who I was, but, you know, I wasn't Billy Graham giving tracts to every single person at the warehouse. And so whether I wanted it to or not, the light of Jesus came through. The moment I said, I'm not going in, I can't do this, that I'm living for someone who would not want me to do this. And needless to say, they were not happy with me. They all went inside. I stayed outside because I knew it was the right thing to do. And in the context of what Paul is saying here in the language and the Uh, that he's using here, maybe I kind of like stunk to them as a colleague. But I don't know if I could have articulated it as a 21-year-old, but I think to God that was a pleasing aroma to make that decision. And so today's, today Paul's message for you, if you're here, for me as a follower of Jesus is this, imitate Jesus. Love selflessly, live holy, and let his light shine in your actions and your words. That's who we're called to be. That's how we're called to live. And Paul says we can do it because it is our new identity and now because of who lives in us and through us and empowers us, the Spirit of Jesus. And it's not always easy, right? It's not always easy. Maybe you haven't had a similar experience to the one that I just described, but maybe it's been something else. Maybe it's at work when you're asked to look the other way on something that you know is wrong and you shouldn't look the other way on. Or maybe it's at school. We're coming up to exam time for high school students. Maybe you know that everybody else has the cheat sheet and it means nothing to just take the cheat sheet and go and know what the answers are when you go into the exam, but you know it's not right. Maybe you should pass on the cheat sheet. Or maybe it's at a party of a friend and going to a friend's house and you're asked to do something that everybody else is doing and it's okay because everybody else is doing it, but you know it's not okay. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe there's a situation and a circumstance that is already coming to your mind with a neighbor. 
an opportunity to love selflessly, to live holy, even when it's not easy. The question for you and me really today and this week is, how can we imitate God's love selflessly? With a family member or a friend or co-worker at school in the neighborhood? Living holy. What are, what might there, what, where, where might there be choices that will be coming up this week where you know that your actions uh, have an opportunity to represent who you say you're following? Where might I be supporting or approving darkness, but I know I need to be the light of Jesus in that moment, that circumstance or situation that I know is coming up? Paul says, walk this way. Imitate Jesus this week. Love selflessly. Live holy. And let Jesus' light shine in all you say in all you do. Let's pray together. God, we uh, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for this reminder, first of all, as I talked about earlier in, the, in our time, that just to be, remember that we are loved and that we have all the heavenly resources that we need at our disposal to take the next step, to discern the next step, to find our way back, to be comforted, to imitate you in this next week in loving selflessly and living holy and letting, our, letting your light shine through us. And as Paul, as we've talked about it, Paul reminds us that we can do this because we belong to you as followers of Jesus and we are filled with your spirit. And so we ask today, just as we sung earlier, would you fill us afresh with your spirit? As Paul said to Timothy, with your spirit of power and love and self-discipline to imitate you. And to use the analogy that Paul laid out May our actions and our words this week as followers of Jesus, may this be in the top of our minds. Are our actions and our words leaving a pleasing aroma in reflecting you and that it is pleasing to you in how we're responding? Because that's what it's about. Imitating you, honoring you, following you. That we are imitating you well for your glory and for our good. And I pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.